The voices on record are the following. Myself, Senior Director and Officer Eric Gray. Our American guest, Emmett Kurtzfeld, of the US Central Intelligence Agency. And the two Sprocketeers, Tucker and Michael. Uh, this is the Sprocket where we rank every movie ever made. Best to worst, Michael. Yup, we sure do. And this one was suggested to us by Carly, friend of the podcast, uh, maker of wrong decisions in uh, the movie of the year, Deliberations. And uh, she liked this movie. I think she's only seen it once on a plane, or had at the time. Right. I think since then she's seen it again and was pretty positive. But Okay. Michael, were you pretty positive on Atomic Blonde starring Charlize Theron? Like, half the time. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. It's okay. 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 I feel like there's stuff to talk about. I want to see how far I can go into this without revealing my opinion of Atomic Blonde. No, I want, I want, I want to hear your opinion of Atomic Blonde, Tucker. Um, I like, uh, Atomic Blonde, where do I even begin? Um... I like most of the things that are this movie, but I don't think it's a very good movie. Sure. Let me run I... something past you, Michael. Yes. As a child, or a teenager, mm-hmm. or an adult, yep. I would watch movies about espionage, right? Like spy yeah. stuff. You know what I'm saying? Spy Kids. Spy Kids, Spy Jinx. There was all kinds Spy of... Kids too. I feel like they got away from what I'm talking about if they ever had it. But yes, exactly, Spy Kids 2. I would watch Spy Kids 2, and I would say, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm sure it's because I'm a small idiot child, and when I grow up, all these espionages and such will make perfect sense to me, this James Bond movie that doesn't make sense. And then I'm on the cusp of turning 28 years old, and I watch Atomic Blonde, and it still doesn't make any sense, Michael. And I have a feeling these movies just don't make sense. Um, I think they can. Sure. I don't know. I don't think this one does. <laughs> I think it gets kind of, and that's okay. I did kind of want to get into that then. I haven't taken the time to map it out, but I'm sure if you start mapping out all the different double crosses and triple crosses happening in this movie, yes, things start to kind of unravel. Okay. Like logically, I'm <laughs> sure if you start picking apart at it, it doesn't Yeah. make the most sense you know because it's it's yeah i feel like there were a lot of these moments that were supposed to be like gotcha moments where it's like what? someone's betraying someone else and you're like whoa john goodman's here and he's the americans <gasps> things must be going down with this other british spy but the right. british spy is actually siding with the russians to try to get this east german killed or you lost me already uh-huh. yeah so that's and that's and that's I had problems with this movie and I think that's yeah. one of them. Yeah. That I don't there there are moments where I don't think the beats line up in a coherent way, which I think can be an issue for spy movies in general. The best kind of And movies. I think yes. And that I also think fits here. I but, I would go a step further and say I just don't think this movie makes sense. Like beyond it just being about triple crosses, I just don't think at any moment, the justification for anything that's happening is very apparent or interesting. Well, okay. Can you sit down and and spin me a yarn? What is happening in Atomic Blonde? 
I don't want to do that because I feel like that will take up this entire podcast. <laughs> but I also don't know the answer. Okay. Charlie's Theron, well, trying... she goes, and then the Berlin Wall, and then she's got to get a thing back. Yeah. The, uh, the, the MacGuffin. Right. Well, it's like... You got a MacGuffin. It's the same thing as Mission Impossible 1. There's a list, and it's got all the things, all the information. All the, all the double agents there, yeah. Yeah. And it's in a watch, though, for some reason. Which is cool. It's like cool spy stuff, like it's in the watch, right? It's sure, like cool. but... Okay. So, okay, bear with me here. Yes. Our introduction to this watch is that it's on the wrist of this guy who's in his pajamas who's being hunted down by a Russian killer, right? Do, 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 yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, but he's like in his pajamas, but he still has this nice rollie on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And inside that is this list <laughs> that someone put together that has the name of every double agent currently working. Yes. Was it worldwide or just Berlin? But either way, Something. it's like... It's the knock list, I... man. I don't know. And it also has there's a double agent or something and it reveals that information in there well it's, which the seems... whole list is of double agents i thought but there was yeah. uh what's the name of the one they're trying to track down satchel or something stupid yeah satchel and it's like the identify yeah 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 they're trying to figure out who satchel is and it's like that's in there dude i don't know if that was why was Satchel on the list? And if that's the case, then why don't they just know the identity of Satchel already? Because this was a British this operative. This is why we can't do this, Michael. It's just going to be us asking questions with no answer. Well, I mean, and that's and that's the thing, though. I think so much of this movie kind of falls into that line. And then there's even other questions, like why even make a list of every single double agent? Doesn't that... Because they saw Mission Impossible and they said, this looks cool. We're spies. Okay. We should do this. Uh, they got all nervous. Right. They're like, "Are we? We're supposed to have a list." Crap! And then they made a list. <laughs> I bet the CIA has a list. Why do they? Why does MI6 not have a list? Oh crap! Crap! Charlie's get in here. So they call it Charlie's, right? right? Actor of our generation, and they sit her down, and then it's got like the uh, Call of Duty Black Ops thing, which like tell us about the numbers, right? Because they're doing like the debriefing. Yeah, which I like that as a framework. I don't. Oh. I don't like after the fact, we know you survived, now tell us the story. It's like, it takes all the, the heft out of it. I don't um, know about that. See, also I think that, Yes. Because you don't know what happens to the, the like, secondary characters who play a part in the story. You're not really sure uh, what set her down in this debriefing room. Did she do something wrong? Is she Satchel? Ooh. But, yeah, but there, you just don't need it, I feel like. It's just... I liked it. It's a framing device. Right, and I think it worked for me because it took the energy away from this uh, survival story in Berlin and instead placed it more in like a... Ooh, she's smoldering. She's she's so pissed. Yeah, something went wrong, and now you want to know what... Now my interest instead is in what went wrong. Sure. And my focus can be pulled away from from the life and death stuff, which I feel like you've seen in every spy movie. And I had another thing. Oh, yeah. On top of that, <laughs> yeah. I like that we have her kind of as an unreliable narrator to some degree because she's sure. lying sure. to these guys. What? So do you know what's true? What really happened in Berlin in 1989, Tucker? 
um a bunch of 80s songs played and then she shot people and then sometimes there was talking yeah and they took down the berlin wall and it's like neon berlin's changing Ooh, here are color palettes he break dance and then he get hit with skateboard many times yeah and i laugh i guess and that's the thing and that's what i feel like if there's any single thing this movie does well beyond Charlize Theron, who I thought did a really good job. Yeah. In in, in front, which she usually does. Yeah. But uh it's the style. Like this is a very very much a style minded movie from like this very curated soundtrack. Like they're going for an image with that. Oh yeah. To all of these these different areas where there's a very clear color palette you're like on the streets of berlin and everything's gray and then you go into her room and it's like red and blue and neon Mm -hmm. the club is red and blue and neon but the hallway to the watchmaker is green but then the watchmaker's place is gold yes (laughs) totally uh speaking of the soundtrack michael how we feeling how uh how'd it work out for you that was I liked it a lot. After this, I found myself going and trying to dig up Depeche Mode songs. So I feel like it worked. Uh, opposite p- opinion, counterpoint. Uh, it sucks. Uh, what? It's like throw in every eighty song possible and do it all wink and naughty, and then half of them are like modern, moody reinterpretations of eighty songs. And I was like, <coughs> oh well, okay, okay. Let's get into this because I don't <laughs> think that's the case because they're not like every 80s song in a blender kind of songs they're very much like they're very much picking out new wave kind of songs and stuff that would be popular in europe at the time but it's like Like you're not getting you're not getting like mickey in there you're not getting no uh, it fits like hair metal or anything like that i don't think they would fit i think those would be way out of the blue they said you're getting like a very clear new order depeche mode uh those were the two that immediately stuck out to me. She goes to London and London Calling starts playing. It's like Yeah, that was a little catchy. Like, that was a little me. kitschy. Yeah. No, it's I agree. Like, I agree. Okay. In Berlin, Sig Luftballoon starts playing. Yeah. Because it's okay. a German okay. pop song. It's like, come on. And then something dramatic happens, and now we have the slow version of Sig Luftballoon. Oh my god. That so. was where I was like, <laughs> okay. That was that was my tap out moment on the soundtrack, I guess. That and the London Calling. I will agree with the London Calling stuff. But like when you're in the club sequence and you're getting like new wave synth rock kind of stuff, or you're yeah, they're leaning into like like everything's all dark and you've got either uh, you've got New Orders Blue Monday, or like you got this health song that's made like in that style. Yeah. Stuff like that, I think, worked really well. And I liked it. And I think it helped kind of set a tone in a way that maybe Berlin circa 1989 didn't. Mm. Despite, I think, the... I think it's an interesting idea to set it there. I don't think it paid off in a way that made sense or felt good. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Yo, that... Till Tuesday song was originally about lesbians, and then when they're having their lesbian sex session, the Till Tuesday song plays. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. Or when she dies, the Till 
spoiler alert, she dies. <laughs> when she dies, the, the Till Tuesday song is still there. No. Dude, at the end of the movie, when she's under pressure, under pressure starts playing. Freaking sick. <laughs> this is some 4D chess stuff, dude. Well, I don't know, because then they play that date. Like, there are other moments. Like, they the first song, obviously, is Blue Monday. Dude. I feel like that song is going to be associated with this movie. Sure. Unfortunately. Um, and then they do, I forget what the name of it but was, but one of, that David Bowie song. And I thought that worked. And but again, it's because he, a, it, like, it's his Berlin trilogy. I get it. And it's in Berlin. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no subtlety at all to the musical no. choices. I mean, there. I don't know how much subtlety there is in this movie as a whole. Yeah. 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 At times. Yeah. I just mean, like, there's always a wink and nod with every song choice, and it just took me out of the movie, because it's not natural. There's, like, a, where it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, it's thematic, man, the song I'm playing, and it's, like, I get it. <laughs> they're in the Cold War, so here's 99 Red Balloons. <laughs> no, exactly they're in the Cold War in Germany. Here's 99 Red Balloons. If I can extrapolate that even further. Okay. The... They must have stumbled into a warehouse full of stalker merchandise or something. <laughs> yeah. That w- that rubbed me the wrong way. Where it's like 8,000 stalker posters and then they fight in front of stalker and it's like, okay, I get it. You see, okay, okay. Maybe. I You see, that, that fight sequence though where they're fighting in front of stalker was one yes. of those moments I was on board with the movie. Have you seen Cats Don't Dance, Michael? No. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but like I like that visual. I like the 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 silhouettes fighting in front of the screen. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's a cool mo- moment. It just it, it means nothing. I don't know. It's just like yeah. Well, I mean, if your if your idea of trying to set the time period, I guess, is new wave and stalker. Yeah, and then constant reminders that the Berlin Wall is going to come down. It just sure. Yeah. It just feels all curated to me where it's trying to appeal to a certain it's not trying to show what any of this was like, you know, it's just like cool choice for thing. Ye- and that wrote me the wrong way. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I think this is I don't know if this is where we want to get into this. Ooh. You've never seen... Mm. Okay, do it. Do it. Rip You've never seen John out. Wick, right? I've never, You've never seen... seen a John Wick movie. I don't like internet meme magic movies, so no, I have not seen John Wick. I have played Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> it's basically the same thing, right? Okay, okay. No, um, I, I say this because there's... I think it's very much within that same realm of these stylized... Uh, action movies that are trying to take it a step in some direction beyond, you know, your typical formulaic action movie. Right. And I don't necessarily mean that in like a in a plot sense necessarily. I feel like if you actually started parsing spy <laughs> movies over the years, you start pulling apart these triple cross stories all over the place. Yeah. But like, where there's there's style focuses, there's some ambitious production stuff going into it, where it's like. In the case of John Wick, it might be a lot of the choreography. Sure. In the case of this movie, it might be scenes like the stairwell scene. Oh, that's a really um, good scene, Michael. 
It is. That is a great moment. But I feel like we're in, within that realm, and on top of that, taking these like stylistic art, artistic stylistic choices where, you know, you're using certain colors, certain settings, certain images, and that's very much within this John Wick world and realm. Yeah. And that makes sense because yeah. the director of this movie was the director of the first John Wick movie. Not the sequels? Um, not the sequels, no. Weird. He pulled away from the John Wick projects to work on Atomic Blonde. Huh. And, like, actually, you get to go take that even further. Like, Charlize Theron and uh, Keanu Reeves were sparring partners, I guess, Aww. during the production of their respective movies. That's cute. But uh, it's, it's very much within that realm, though. Yeah. And what was my thread here? It's just you're getting into, like, this style kind of thing, the style over yeah. substance in a way. And... And I think that's very much an argument you could levy, levy against, like the John Wick series, too. Because if you start parsing those things for narrative, it doesn't work. Like, you start getting into, like, different goofy names for things <laughs> and it goofy plot twists and this world me. building that doesn't necessarily hold up to scrutiny or anything like that. Okay. But at the same time, you get these cool style beats. Ooh and things like that like you get these cool shots of like fights in museums where there's all these mirrors and stuff or in the case of this movie of uh atomic blonde you get like this this uh the the you're in the club and everything's blue and then red and it's all these like special like saturated colors and stuff i get you so but i haven't seen john wick right bear with me is it a lot of like, like semi-ironic use of pop song type Not stuff? Not necessarily. No. Okay. It's more. I think it's just kitschy in a different way. It's like you take okay. an assassin movie and make it more fantastical. Okay. Not in like a natural magic kind of way, but in like the way they structure their underworld and stuff. Okay. And in this case, it's less. Like like in this case, yeah, it's way more kitschy in just that way where you're taking. It's like, you know, we're in Berlin in the 1980s. Do you know how you know? Here's 99 red balloons. <laughs> and Thank you. the Thank Berlin you. Wall is there. Right, constantly. Yes. Yeah. Because, uh, again, I, I have not seen John Wick, but it, mm-hmm. my impression of it or what people always seem to speak highly of is that it's very, like, propulsive. It's yeah. very economical with its action where it's effective yep. it's lean yep. and, and i don't know if i can say that with this all the time yeah yeah if this was the stairwell more <laughs> then i would like this movie more just because the stairwell isn't ironic use of pop song or anything it's just well choreographed effective action scene yeah and i feel like it's one of the so i feel okay Digging back into Atomic Blonde more directly. Okay. What I had seen is some of the praise kind of levied on it was a lot of the action sequences. Okay. I, with the exception of the stairwell, don't know if I felt that same way. There's so few of them, I feel like. I feel like there's, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, I if you want to talk about like efficiency in action scenes and like good choreography and stuff like that, I like there were times where the one that stands out in my mind, they're in the apartment and she's beating people up with like a hose or something. That's like kind of cool, though. 
I didn't care for that. That felt a little more over the top. Yeah, totally. Compared to the stairwell scene where it's all very... <laughs> yeah. Like... One that shot. That felt tense. It's the one-shot sequence, which almost feels like it's a cliche at this moment. Yeah. But, like, you're doing the one-shot sequence, there's a lot of close-ups. There's a lot yeah. of, like... Sharp. Rather than being, like, fantastical and stuff like that, in a way, it's very grounded. It's very gritty, in a way. You just... Like, it feels a lot more tense. You feel every gunshot in that scene. Because it's, yeah, like, every... a crescendo. It's yeah. just like, poof, And something yeah. crazy happens. And then, like, you're tracking... Like, you're moving with... Charlize's character in a way to where like you hear something off camera it's off camera like that it's off camera for her too she's not seeing that right and so you're kind of discovering things with her so reveals happen with the main character in a way it's and it's still all very like it, it gets into that like Jason Bourne territory in a totally. way but not in but not in a you know, fighting people with a pen kind of way. That's how I feel about the hose fight is it's very like sub born movie, born movie uh, type of fighting. Like, how do you mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just kind of goofy. Like, it's got yeah. like the shaky cam thing going on, but it's a lot yeah. of like dudes yeah. piling into a room and then she just kills them or whatever. Like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's not like James Bond or something. Like there's this level of like, realism which is not the right word but they're like going for like it's grounded in a way but then you compare that to like the stairwell which is actually that mm -hmm. or as close as a movie like this will get and then it just looks kind of doofy that she's got like using the hose in four different ways and then she jumps out the window with the hose yeah and i didn't care for like that for that very reason it that was, I think, what pulled me away. Not the kitschy use of 80s pop songs. It was like, <laughs> yep. it was the moments where they took this, where where they got a little cartoony in a way that I don't think meshed with the rest of the film. Like that to me, it was it was cartoony, I think is the word I would almost use there because it felt yep. like, it felt more like Machete than it did <laughs> a spy movie. <laughs> yes, I love Machete comparisons. We should Or maybe like, Maybe a better one. It felt very Kingsmanish in a way. Okay, I can. But see not that. in a way that was able to carry the like kinetic energy that Kingsman has with those kinds of sequences. No, this is not a kinetic movie. No. Overall, which I think hurts it a lot. Yeah, let's. I guess. How would you describe the pacing then? How do you feel about that? It feels like there's a lot of. It's like. They, I think the stairwell scene works because for that half hour of this movie, Charlize Theron has a distinct goal, and she's working towards that goal, and interesting things happen that involve secondary characters, and just like, I love the uh, the whistle and then the umbrellas thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Like that, yeah. That was, I guess that was another moment to me, though, that felt more... Like we're going for a style in some way, but oh yeah, yeah, it's not. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's silly, but it it it's it is creative and like energetic in a way that the rest of this movie wasn't for me. So I was like, huh, what? Okay, and I just like this idea of trying to get this guy across the wall, and it's just going terribly. Yeah, through the whole thing, I I was that was my favorite like part of this movie because 
like I said, it was streamlined. It was engrossing. But then you compare that to most of the rest of this movie, which is like her talking to that piece of crap guy again in his apartment. And he's like stupid. <laughs> he's like a cartoon character. And she's like, you know, aloof. And she's like, I don't want to be here, but I need to talk to you. And yeah, it's like that scene over and over in this movie. And it's yeah. not interesting it's not and that's pacing it's a pacing issue because it's the same boring scene over and over it doesn't progress things well that and so much of i guess you're kind of hitting into something that i kind of i wasn't really thinking about at the time but i'm thinking about it now is so much of this movie doesn't feel as though there's direction in a way yeah Yeah. like you know she has a goal but it doesn't feel like there's a road to getting there in any way and i guess maybe that's kind of what you want to do to some degree with the spy movie, but at the same time, it doesn't like, okay, we're going to this German apartment to learn that this guy was friends with this other guy. And (laughs) here's a fight scene with the police. And now we're like going to a different apartment. We're learning other things, how these are connected is kind of, I don't know, I guess. And it's like, I don't, I didn't even, I don't understand the passage of time in this movie. It's like, this is yeah. the next day. This is the same day. I don't know. It doesn't seem to matter. Like it doesn't, it's like the, yeah. she goes to the watch guy and he's like, come back tomorrow. And then it's like a completely different day or something. And I don't yeah. have any sense of what happened or like, I don't, it's so hard to follow anything that's happening in this movie. I don't know. Why was she trying to get the guy across the wall? Because she, he wanted to defect and yeah. he memorized the list, right? He had read yeah. the list and memorized the list. Right. So that was like the Spy other list. way to get the list. Right. Because I don't think they wanted to stop necessarily other people having the list. Because if, if they could just kind of get the names on that and, you know, react accordingly, maybe things would have been different. Yeah. Which is why she yeah. prioritized getting him over the wall. Like him dying would be very bad was yeah. my sense because he knew he had the list yeah and then he died which is why <laughs> other people wanted him to die because they wanted to use the list to kind of like influence things you know if I you have if man. you're the only one with the list you have power i don't understand who the bad guy in this in this movie michael i don't understand a lot of that because what it's like there's a, a rogue kgb guy okay who hired but he dies ostensibly because she was like a double agent for him but then she was a triple agent. no that's someone else okay okay sure there's like because isn't there there's a rogue kgb agent but there's also this east german cop unless they're the same person and i'm mixing up my folks with eastern european accents and beards it's fair and then there's the french spy right and then there is the yes right the british spy yes and john goodman's there who yes I like John Goodman in this, but... And the guy from uh, Captain America 2. Was he? And 1, maybe. I don't know. What? The, like, boss guy who's interviewing her, or interrogating her. Isn't he in Captain America, or am I thinking of somebody else? I think it was, like, the German scientist who was working. And then in Captain America 2, they, like, find the computer terminal in the bunker. I don't remember. Okay. Anyway... So the Red Skull guy, or like the 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 second in command? Yeah, like the computer scientist who was. Uh working. yeah, yeah, that might have been him. We'll get there you very soon. That, that might, that, yeah. <laughs> um. But 
even at the very end of this movie, and maybe this is what they were going for, when she shoots the guy, what whatever his name is, mm-hmm. it had no weight because I didn't even understand whose side either of them was on. Yeah. And if this no, is and just, I agree. If this, if this is just like nihilism, the movie, where it's like it doesn't matter what side any of them were on because they represent, you know, whatever, like the forces, I don't know, maybe they're going I think it was. I think it was her being a spy for the Americans and a plan coming together. I love it when a plan comes together. But like that's 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 the only way you can really describe the resolution to this and kind of make sense of the plot is that this was all just some very overly elaborate, convoluted plot to close up a bunch of loose ends. Yeah, but then you just can't think about any of this, right? No, and I'd <laughs> I'd like to kind of not. I'd like just to instead just think about you know there's this cool stairwell scene and man. Yeah. New Order's Blue Monday is a pretty good song. God, that is a great song. Yeah. It's a good song to have in your movie. I'm not going to yeah. argue there. Hey, guess what? I love every single car in this movie. This is my exact era. These are my exact yeah. types of cars. I was yeah. I was so happy whenever a car was on screen in this film. Holy cow. Fucker just can't get enough Yugos. Oh, they're so cool looking. Ooh. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like those old Soviet Republic cars have a feel to them that. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of box. Or, or these like your European cars at the time, like your Renaults and. Yeah. Good I'm with cars. you to some degree. Yeah. 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 Uh, good headphones. She's rocking some Koss K1 yeah. somethings. That's a, a Wisconsin company. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Good okay. brand. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say, Michael. I mean, what was the French lady doing? She... Uh, she was like a newbie. Yeah, she didn't know what she was assigned doing. Assigned to assigned to the list for some reason. It's so important that the French assigned a newbie to it. And uh, she had a thing for Charlie's, and Charlie's had a thing back. I felt they could have done with less nudity in this film, honestly, which is not a thing it... I'll ever say again. But <laughs> well, because there's a part it. of it that feels a little exploitative. Yeah. Like there's a part of it where, like, I think it's cool we have a strong, at least bisexual female character kind of in this role. Sure. I think it's cool that they're giving her someone else to kind of be emotional with in a way to get kind of little cracks of. Even then, though, you can't tell if that even matters at all because she's playing a character the entire movie. But. And- it doesn't it kind of suck that they're just taking, was it called fridging a character or whatever? They're yeah, just taking that terrible trope and taking it from a straight relationship into a gay relationship where the lady is just there so that they can kill her and then cause an emotional reaction from Charlie. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's. I think I even wrote that in here and like in my <laughs> notes because it did, it, it bothered me. Yeah, and. I just, I at the same time, it felt a little gratuitous in a way. Yeah. Not to, not to, you know, slide the glasses up the nose and Ooh. be a snob about it, but it's like if this was, would would the director have been as like, would he have been as kind of explicit with it if yeah. it was two male characters? Right. Probably not. And, huh? 
and I, and yeah, I don't think so. And that's that's what it. kind of irked me about it. Because there's this part of it where I think it's cool, it's good that we have, it's good to have those kinds of relationships. On, I, I think it's good, but at the same time, just the it, it felt less about that in some respects and more like. It just more pretty ladies. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Pretty spy ladies kill fun. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Like this is more for the guys in the audience kind yes. of thing to some degree. When the first shot of Charlize is naked in a bathtub and then she's naked in her apartment and then she's naked a lot. Yeah. And then it's just like yeah. her butt is like front and center for a long establishing shot of Charlize. I don't know. It's like didn't need to be like this, man. Yeah. And it's not like, like I don't I, we don't need to go down this road too far, but it's like it doesn't even really establish anything about her character, like all these shots of her naked. Like, it, what is that telling us about whatever her name was in this movie? Which sucks because there's some. I think it's cool that we have like a strong lesbian couple. Yeah. And I think it's good that there's this strong female character kind of propelling so much of this and. She's like kicking ass. She's the better spy than everyone. She's she's playing them all. It looks like she's supposed to be in control of the situation. I don't know if that holds up through parts of it. And when it, she loses control, it's kind of cool. But yeah, like the that car chase scene with the guy yeah. after he's been shot. That's cool, man. I mean, it's just like children of men like look at our long car chase shot. But it was cool. Yeah. It no, was I agree. her under duress. It was her not in her element. and uh, It was her reacting. Yes. And I wish this movie was way more of that and less of Charlie Saren going to somewhere and, like, I don't know, doing... Punching I don't people. know. I don't remember. I don't... It, it yeah. Blew past me. I don't like, there were parts of this where... Like, and, it's, and it is all kind of within that sequence where they're trying to get the spy over the border where it feels like now we're in this element where people are trying to one-up each other, you know? Yeah. Where people are playing a game against each other, and now you actually get to see that, rather than just kind of have it talked at you about. Right. So, like, you have, you know, his his plan is to get, is to work with the Russians to get the guy assassinated, but then she has her own counter plan. Yes. And, it like, I like that when it actually leads to actions. Right. And it leads to things happening rather than just kind of like, ooh, he bugged, he stuck a bug in her jacket and made it a French bug. So French bug. it would look like it was the French spy. Ooh. But she's wearing a wire the whole time anyway. I didn't get any of that. Like, yeah. she has recordings that she was also recording, and it's like, what? Okay. Yeah. I don't, okay. Oh, uh, and the big reveal is that she's she's framing him as Satchel. And she's really satchel. She's satchel, but then why that doesn't... And then... So then the whole movie feels almost invalidated in a way. Yeah. Well, it just feels like preordained or something to me when it's not yeah. reactionary because it just feels like this game playing out that we aren't really privy to. Yeah. Well, because it feels like it's a plan coming together. But like, it feels know. like the end of an A-Team episode, but... <laughs> But I, I just, right. I don't, I don't know. Cause there are these moments that can be kind of stressful in a way. There are these moments that feel like things aren't, she like she's not in control, but then it's all just part of this grand scheme to frame this British spy as the double agent, kill the Russian guy and head on home with John Goodman. 
Hell yeah. clean plays in the background. That's where I want to be. Or Justin Timberlake. Um, yeah. But like, I, just as an example, the, the I guess this is an example of why this movie didn't work for me or why it didn't make sense to me. So in the very beginning, there's a the guy, Blue Monday, do, 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 do. And he's running, right, from the guy. And the guy mm-hmm. shoots him. And they have like their little sparring match where they're like, I guess you're not as good as you thought you were. and then he shoots him and then later in the movie that guy shows up again and he just gets popped in the head like immediately like why yeah why was the spy not able to defeat this guy or what what is i don't i don't or like then there's these other parts where doesn't Charlize have a photo of the spy who ends up getting killed in the first sequence yes and it's supposed it feels like they're trying to establish that they knew each other yeah. But then none of that matters. Yeah. And then they established that the guy who died is also also knew the head of the the Berlin MI six bureau or whatever, the one who's running the all this underground stuff. Yes. But then that doesn't matter either. It's like, yeah, we were friends, but then it's like, okay, that doesn't matter. Um, yes <laughs> this feels like half of a movie or like there was supposed to be a sequel or something that would make any of this oh they're yeah. making a sequel are they really yeah they are there's a the hell it was supposed to come out this year <laughs> <laughs> many things were yeah um boy that sucks huh well maybe a time of just too smart for us michael <laughs> maybe we couldn't figure out your movie mr john wick Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It bounced off of me. Uh, some of the action was good. Yeah. the I, I feel like there'll be things I take away from this, and, and one of those are like... I think this owns a style in a way that I like a lot, and I think the stairwell scene is probably one of the better action sequences out there right now. Okay, I feel but... like that should be something to look at and kind of say this is what we want to do. But I challenge you, Michael, could you not just go on YouTube and watch that scene because this movie does absolutely nothing to establish the stakes or connection to the rest of the movie of that scene? Mm, you know what I'm saying? May no, I don't know because I feel like you do need some kind of establishment leading into it. Like, why does this German guy matter kind of thing? But I don't know that. Having seen the movie, I don't know that. Okay. Why does Spyglass matter? Because they established early on that he knew. But I don't know why that list. matters. And then he disappears for most of the movie. Then he comes back when the plot calls for him. It's true. It's true. But, but I mean... they established early on that he like read the list and knew the whole list. But it's you like can just second... tell me he needs to live, and it's like the same in my brain because it's like cool action scene where she's protecting a guy. Like it doesn't really. Well, yeah, that and I kind of want to have a little bit of investment in Charlize's character. Going yeah. Into. But again, it doesn't. At the end of the day, though, that whole sequence feels kind of wasted because this was all just some kind of elaborate American plot to, to frame someone as Satchel, close up a bunch <laughs> of loose ends, and get home with the list. And it also fails, and I don't understand what the repercussions of that are. Well, the repercussion. Well, it doesn't fail though. Her, her, at the end of the day, she has the watch. <laughs> but he died. She could have yeah, just the... left him in the stairwell, and the movie wouldn't have changed or something. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Now we're 
you're getting into the territory where maybe Atomic maybe. Blonde doesn't make Ooh. much sense at the end of the day. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. Because that, you're you're right. Thesis. It's like why why not just ditch the guy? Shoot him. Apparently, it doesn't yeah. matter if he lives or dies. So just shoot him, and everything would have gone smoother. Apparently. Yeah. I don't know, Michael. Yeah, I don't. I feel I'm like yeah, we're getting into that kind of territory now. Okay, sorry, um, Michael. Any any further thoughts besides some notes, my guy? Uh, I feel like we covered a lot of this. I wrote Blue Monday, and then <laughs> later on the same page, I wrote New Order. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that tells you. Uh, awful lot of Neun and Neun Luftballon. Yes. Both versions. And then they slow it the... down. Oh my god, when Ooh. they do the slow version of that song Ooh. as like the dramatic turn like the dramatic yeah. moment, it that that I felt angry watching this at that point. Yeah. It's, it's like, like why? This is dumb. <laughs> is this a movie trailer now or what? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh but then there were like these moments where they did some transitions that I thought were kinda cool. Ooh. Uh oh, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. She's like, you know when the picture stops running because it catches fire or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. It, like, the actual, like, film melts away and you transition back to the <laughs> it's debriefing room. That's a little goofy, but yeah. yeah. It's goofy. Like... like, it's a cool idea. At the same time, it felt goofy in a way. Like, I think there was a lot. In a way, this movie could be style over substance as an argument. Yeah. And I feel like that might be one of it where you're just kind of putting in these cool little artistic embellishes. Like, that maybe right. don't add anything or really, but it's a cool idea. The socket. I guess the you. socket. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, she like walks behind herself at one point, which was cool. Yeah. I don't know if I liked Berlin as a setting. It, uh, especially it's... when they're trying to play it up in a way where it's like, yeah, we're in Berlin. But like all of this could happen in some other... Yeah, I guess maybe it couldn't, but it doesn't feel like they own Berlin as a setting in a way. It's just like no. it's the convenient way to have two side, like the two sides of the Berlin Wall, and that feels like the only actual use of setting that's in Berlin. You know, this <sighs> kind of place where, yeah, yeah, you're you're in Berlin, so you're going to have, you know, spy games going back and forth. But it feels like it doesn't feel like we own Berlin as a setting. It doesn't feel like a lived-in city. It's kind of cool though. I kind of like that it's set right at the fall of the wall, but yeah, they wring any nuance out of it, so it's just like... Yeah, well, it doesn't yeah. feel like it adds... It doesn't feel like the fall of the wall adds anything to it, really. Mm, you're right. <laughs> I, I got and that's nothing. And that's my issue. Yeah. It doesn't feel... It feels like we're playing up the fact that we're at this moment where the world changes. Totally. Where we see the... Like, this is the beginning of the end of... Soviet block, but it doesn't feel like that adds any kind of stakes to this. It doesn't feel like it adds to the setting really. I like the idea, I think, but I don't feel like it's used well. I'd agree with you. <laughs> I got yeah. I don't really have an argument there. Uh, I just think it's kind of novel. Remember where the guy plays Tetris? Yes, dude. And they like hang on that for a little bit. Yeah, they do. It's like they want you to see that he's playing Tetris. It's like playing old DOS Tetris or something. That was awesome. 
best part of the movie. Uh, <laughs> but like outside of that, I don't, I, I don't really have much else to say. Yeah. Yo, those cars are good. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, the cars. Are good. <laughs> she has good outfits. Sure, she does have good, like the yeah, yeah. She does. Yeah. You kind of dress up. Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, a guy. I can't think yeah. of the actor's name. He's James McAvee. No. Yes. Maybe. They just kind of make him look grungy. Yeah, he's got the Sinead haircut. Yeah, the Sinead haircut. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind him. I guess. I mean, his character sucks, but that's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. I like John Goodman. There's like a shot of John yeah. Goodman in the end. In general, I liked a lot of the close-ups in this. There's a lot of like <laughs> center focus close-ups. And I like that in a way because I'm used to being taught, you know, you always go for the four corners and stuff like yeah. that. That's how you make a dynamic uh, visual. And in this, it's just like we're front and center or we're looking up and the light's shining up. So we have John Goodman and like he's all bright against a dark backdrop. Ooh. It looked cool, With especially when he had that like bushy beard. Yeah. Ooh. But uh, I guess outside of stuff like that, I don't know if there's really any much much more to say. Okay. Atomic Blonde's fine. It's okay. It's fine. There's some cool <laughs> things happening. It's just it's such a nothing of a movie. I mean, it's cool. It feels like something you would stumble on on like Netflix, where it's like you've never heard of it, and it's like, oh, Atomic Blonde. But I feel like there's more, there's too many names attached for that yeah. to be the case. Yeah. They didn't and know. I will also, I guess you could also kind of say that it also, like this came out at the same time that this came out and there's, we now have these John Wick movies. There's also these other kind of like Soviet spy movies out there like Salt or Red mm. Sparrow. Yeah. And this still, I think this is better than those. I think this does more with, with what it's got than those movies do. Yeah. Well, that's at least something, maybe. They, yes, I was going to bring that up, but I totally forgot. But yeah, there were like five of this movie that all came out at the same time, right? Or am I making that up? It sure felt no, like No, it. it's something like that, yeah. That's crazy. There's like a, a salt. Yeah, there's salt. There's Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow. I, I can't, there's at least one of the, Hannah? <laughs> I think Hannah was something like this, too. Black Some Widow. Kind of... uh... Black Widow. Is Red Sparrow yeah. the J-Law? That is the J-Law one. It's terrible. Okay, okay. awesome. Awesome. Very cool. <laughs> Coming soon to a sprocket near you, Red Sparrow. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. Ooh. Okay. Let's get that one out of the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, like This feels like it does more with that premise than those mo- kinds of movies do, than those movies did. I mean, it takes it so. as far as you... I guess could hope. I mean, like they do the soundtrack, they do the look, you know, yeah. you, like they, go, they're going for something here. I just don't think yeah. the movie itself and I think, is great. But just by going for something though, I think it's a step above some of those other. Oh yeah. Totally. Films. Totally. But Michael, are you done with notes by the way? Yeah, I'm done with notes. Okay. Notes. But Michael, where does it go in the list? <gasps> Rocket list. Let me read to you the list. <laughs> Whoa, scrolled too fast. I'm going to start at the bottom, Michael. How does that sound? I'm going to work my way up. That sounds good to me. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the worst movie ever made according to the Sprocket, Tucker? 
the pacifier. Ah, yes, yes, Vin Diesel, yes, yes, yes. Would yes, you believe... Fighting dicks. <laughs> would you believe that after that, the Peter Pan advance is the Incredible Hulk, followed by the Polar Express Iron Man 3. Oh. Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3. We don't know yet. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream, Dream Warriors. Warriors. Sonic the Hedgehog. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Heart Target. The Secret of Nims. Iron Man 1, The Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Red Line, The Nightmare, Before Christmas, I'm going to try to make this as hard to listen to as humanly possible, The Witch Raw, All the President's Men, and then Mad Max, Fury Road, is the best movie ever made, Michael. Try to argue that. Yo, it's fantastic. Okay, where should Atomic Blonde go? Uh, let's say, okay, Michael. It's better than the past fire, yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's better than the Incredible Hulk, no? Yeah, I mean, I to me, I actually kind of have a place, an area in mind. It feels like it should go below Secret of Nim, or in wow. that. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That's kind of where I feel. Interesting. The Secret of Nim lower. Right. Right. I guess I don't know. Totally. Do you have a vision? The Matrix and Iron Man are both action movies that are much better than Atomic Blonde. Yeah. So I'm with you. It makes sense. Yes. The Matrix makes more sense. The Secret of Nim, I liked more than Atomic Blonde. Personally. Because yeah. it had like a heart to it. It had soul. It had Don Bluth's attractive female rat characters. So <laughs> I think we should put it above Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I guess. Uh, um, and the, this is, but this is where we get into like. This is the nitty gritty right here. Is hard target. I would rather pick this over hard target because I feel like this had something more than just being an action movie in mind. Okay. Hey man, hard target was about the plight of almost <laughs> yeah. and our veterans. Yeah. Uh, oh <laughs> my gosh! Remember? remember when there were like a, there was a bunch of social. Uh, Social messaging in a hard target? Yes. Because there was. Yeah. So it didn't have Blue Monday, though. Um, It didn't have Blue Monday, though. You know, I I find it very hard to feel strongly about this, but me personally, I would put hard target above Atomic Blonde, but I understand the argument. Where, I guess, where's, where's your ideal Atomic Blonde locale? I think you nailed it. Uh, probably right below the secret of Nim for me. Do you just kind of want to stick it there? I guess because my thing is, I feel like I want to give credence where credence is due. I think there's a lot. There's some cool ideas going into Atomic Blonde. I think they're trying to be a little more than just another spy movie. Yeah. While Hard Target, I think is just a fun action oh, it's movie. Fun. Fun goes a a long way for me, Michael. I don't watch movies to be fun, Tucker. Okay, okay, Mr. Lighthouse. Are we going to put it below? The lighthouse is fun. Anyway. um... Make the call, Michael. Make the call. Would you feel comfortable with it over Hard Target? Yes, but I want to strike a deal with you here. Okay. Can we both publicly say i want to put atomic blonde below the secret of Nim, but can we both publicly say 
on this podcast that if there is a line where bad movies start, it is below hard target. Because <laughs> I feel like the the bad movie line is below Secret of Nim. Oh, then I don't agree with this placement. I know, and that's the issue. I don't know if I call Hard Target a good movie. I just think it's... Oh, it is, though, Like, dude. it's not going to be the thing I turn to if I say, this is filmmaking. No, that's obviously Mad Max Fury Road. But yeah. t- to me, there's this huge gap between Hard Target and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Even sure. though they are next to each other. Well, they still... They occupy the same... Like, in my mind, they... the That makes sense but they're not as far away from one another okay okay maybe that's because i liked hard times more than you and sean did and maybe that's because i didn't like hard target as much as you did okay that's fair that's fair then i will just say let's put atomic blonde below the secret of nim but i will say hard target is awesome and rules okay. so okay i'm good with that so i'll put atomic blonde right you know what yeah hard target is the line <laughs> I feel like I would watch Hard Target again Aww. and enjoy it. And I feel like I can't say the same about Fast Times. A movie can be good just because you want to watch it with other people while eating pizza or something. Because hmm. okay. <laughs> I feel like that good. argument is like, yeah, let's go watch The Room. No, because I haven't seen The Room because I don't want to watch The Room. You're not. You're okay. You're okay. See, I'm as the voice of bad filmmaking... Of the no, two of us. because I don't even know if I'd call a hard target completely bad. Hmm. I'm just saying. There are some moments that are weird, <laughs> man. I feel I maybe embrace crap more <laughs> than you do, is all I'm saying. And I'm saying I haven't seen the room. And I think I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. Yes. Remember Jean Claude Van Damme's acting. <sighs> not here to disparage John claude Van Damme. Let's just move on. Thank you, Michael. Okay. <laughs> this was yeah. Atomic Blonde. Hey, next time Sean will be here and we're going to talk about Valley Girl. A movie I know nothing about other than it yeah, stars Yeah, I, I got Cage. nothing, no. Um, and then... I feel like we're not in the part of Nick Cage movies I actually want to be in, but... There isn't one for me, but... Well, it's called National Treasure 1. And that's one. And the Rock. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just making. I don't know. I want to get in a cage being the auteur. Okay. Well, it's him being take a while. weird. <laughs> Let's get him overacting. We'll get there eventually, Michael. Don't worry. This is like the Sonic thing, you know. I want to get to fun Sonic. 